The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. Think of Scrooge McDuck. Surely there's a better culture. <laughs> and we're live. We're just in time for me to insult an entire nation of people. Always <laughs> in the comments like, I can't believe you. Exactly. It is Friday, September 10th, 2021, and it is 5.03 p.m. Eastern time. What time is it in, in Scotland? It is three minutes past 10 at night. Oh, you're staying up for us. I appreciate it. Oh, it's past my bedtime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we are not allowed to have fun anymore, but we are allowed to have Lenny Penny from Kansas, Kansas, <laughs> back on the show. Uh, I, yeah, I know. I'm like insulting your, your precious eardrums. Kansas, it's so Scotland. great to see you again. Um, <laughs> so to, to, frame, to frame the title of the show... You posted a TikTok video of you doing a mostly Midwestern American accent. With a kind of slight valley girl inflection. There I was like it. a it was so good. It was like sort it was it was had a little life. bit of LA Twitter uh uh TikTok influencer thing going there. Uh it was good. How'd you learn to do that? Yeah, I have. I, you're saying I'm doing a Midwestern accent. I had absolutely no idea what accent I was doing. All the people in the comments were like, "Is she from Georgia? Is she from Minnesota?" I'm like, I was it was a little it. bit of a perfect amalgam, though. It was like yeah. actually really weird. You plot. In fact, that was the only tell that you were not that it was not real. Was that it? Like, kind of borrowed from like one too many. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, okay, all of our media is in, in America. Like we don't, we have American media. Like it's, it's all you know. You watch Friends growing up and stuff like that. So people were saying, "Oh, did you practice?" And I'm like, "Well, not really. It's just sort of language by osmosis." So I, I can tell why I've picked up on the different, you know, accents because I've just had them all thrown at me. I have a question. Do you guys like generally all three of you? Do you think that the LA accent is somewhat infiltrating a lot more regions of America because of social media and the way things are getting produced now? I think the whole uh, uh, uptalk over the last 20 years is mostly a creature of L.A. speech infecting the rest of the country. And yeah. filler words, like the like and the, you knows and everything. And I, as a person who is very, as we've talked about in the show, very uh, prone to those... I find that I do them the most when I am talking quickly and insecure about something that I'm talking about and I'm not feeling perfectly comfortable. Uh, and so it was really, or I'm very tired. Like there just kind of is like a tired. So I was really tired and at dinner with my colleague the other day and he were sitting with his kids. And as I was talking, I finished what I was saying and his, I was, I was exhausted. I hadn't gotten much sleep the night before for no good reason. And his kid, his seven-year-old kid, turned to me and said, "You said like twenty-five times." <laughs> I, was, I was, yeah, I was just, 
Yeah. So you're so you're very <laughs> sensitive to different Scots accents and inflections, but how much do all the various American accents just blend together? Like, can you hear the difference between, uh, you know, what I speak and what a Canadian from Ontario speaks, which is really obvious to me. I can the Ontario yeah. accent I can hear a million miles away. Yes. But I'm not sure if it's like if you're like how, how much variability do you hear in American accents? I I hear quite um I mean I I obviously know if something's quite particularly strong like Boston, you know, is you know I've seen enough TV shows set in Boston that you recognize that accent. But there's also things like I probably couldn't. You don't tell encounter you. that a lot, by the way. Just <laughs> including in Boston. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's not. It's, no, it's very pocket. Like, there's like pockets where it's, it's a pocket dialect. super strong, and then and then once in a while, if someone who grew up there, they'll have a moment. Um, I like to tease a very very dear Bostonian of mine because one time I caught him going oh you shut your mouth and like the mouth wow. came out instead of mouth and he still denies it to this day <laughs> sorry Those but different accents are, are you know I think they're all beautiful uh, there's different obviously because I'm not in America and I haven't grown up in America I don't see the sort of prejudices that people would ascribe to accents the same way that people ascribe different prejudices to different Scottish accents that perhaps you won't be, you know, particularly tuned into. That's why when I get comments about my accent, usually it's from a Scottish person. Like that that one that I did the video in response to, that person was Scottish um, because he said, I'm, I'm making us look bad with my accent. I'm, I'm making the whole of Scotland look bad with my accent, which I thought was quite funny because then, <laughs> you know, when I responded in American accent, all the Americans were like, I feel lied to. <laughs> do you want to know what the big thing is though that i think that is different is that um i really don't think that there's a ton of there's not a ton of judgment based on accent it is a pretty uh it is it is a pretty um we've talked about this before i think but maybe we haven't put this fine a point on it um you have a southie accent like which is the, the the Boston accent you're familiar with? It's called the South Boston Southie accent. Um, you can get a job anywhere as long you know as long as you've gone to like you know the right schools and as long as you can say the right things. It really doesn't matter. And there, think, that is a different thing in I think in in Anglo so I countries think in in the UK there are really, really well-defined class accents instead of in addition to regional accents. And that is much less true in the United States. Yeah. There, are, there are certain, uh, th th there are certain regional accents and ethnic accents that have class overtones to them, but there are not, uh, but there's less, uh, there's less sort of class-based accents than there is in the UK. And I think it's, it, it's, it is less, it's more, it's, it's, it's more heavily regional. And of course there are regional prejudices um, that, you know, that have class elements to them. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think there are, I mean, the point, I think I mentioned this when you were on the show once before, when Fiona Hill testified during the impeachment investigation, 
she actually said bluntly that with her accent, she would not have been able to get uh, the kind of employment in the UK that she has had in the sort of upper echelons of the executive branch in the United States. And I, I do think Kate's right about that, that there's kind of a, there are class marker accents. A Southie accent definitely designates you as, um, as But you can overcome it. But you can't, but, but it's not, it, it's not damning. It, it's, it's not, it's not a wall in quite the same way that, uh, that it seems to be in the UK. And certainly there isn't, nobody would engage in Twitter abuse debating like somebody's accent by, you know. No, yeah. Maybe gentle ribbing, but um, I, I'm curious what you attribute it to. Is it a, is it a creature of that these are markers for something else or is it, I, I mean, how, how what what is what is your accent designate that is um that is sort of worthy of you know in in the in the current politics of the UK or of Scotland worthy of of debate or comment well it's interesting because a lot of the things that people try and ascribe to me based on my accent and the way I speak, they're not actually criticising my accent, they're criticising the language I use because when I speak in Scots, a lot of people think it's just English with an accent, so they think, oh, she's putting that on. So first of all, that's that's what people don't like. And then second of all, young people in Scotland change their accent. There's such a thing in Scotland as a Glasgow Uni accent, mm -hmm. which is where when you go to university, you smooth out your accent, you round out your vowels, you get out with the sort of trappings of the glottal stop and you, you know, get rid of any sort of sparivacti vowel, any kind of hallmarks of a really thick Scottish accent because we do live in an Anglo-centric society, especially in Scotland, where if you want to do anything media related, if you want to do anything in the public eye, if you want your voice to be heard, that voice must be understood. And unfortunately, the way the media in the world works, we must change to fit them. They do not change to, you know, you can have many, many regional accents um, if you have an English accent but it's the Scottish accent that's kind of seen as inferior and it's it's it saddens me because I, I'd like to do you know media things I'd like to do engagements and things that I do already but I'd like to not have to put on the accent that I'm putting on right now because it's I mean obviously I'm doing it because you know well I'm you not, certainly don't have to put it on here and yes, I, she I, does I, a little we, bit. I wouldn't be will, able to understand her. No, like, we I, will like, totally <laughs> assume the burden of understanding you, um, at, if you, uh, <laughs> if you speak naturally. And we'll we may ask you to repeat stuff, but feel free to speak as you would want to speak. Yeah, this it feels a little bad to hear that. Like I feel like I, I'm sad that you have to that you're. No, no, it's just it's just if you're if you're speaking to someone who's not from Scotland, you're going to speak clearly as anyone would. But it's just the burden of, of understanding is often put on the sort of Scottish person. And it's it saddens me because I know certainly I have different accents for different situations. When I'm at university and I want to be considered intelligent and I want my points to be considered as being to be coming from a, an intelligent person, I will round out my accent. But at the same time, when I'm just with pals and I'm chatting, you get imposter syndrome because you're like, well, are they right? Am I putting on my accent? And then you sit there and think the voice inside your head, what accent does that have? Because... But but Lend, aren't are you uh, uh, being a tiny bit unfair here? Because 
you've come on this show before and you've said, hey, this is genuinely a different language and you want it respected as a different language. But if it's really a different language, then you shouldn't expect people to understand it. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the right answer is the code switching is right, actually, because when you're with your friends, you're speaking Scots. And, and, um, and that is a language that Kate shouldn't be expected to understand. But when you're, when you're here, you're speaking English with a Scots accent. And, um, and that's a language that we should be expected to understand. Um, but you're the bilingual one. We actually don't speak Scots. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, obviously you have to make a distinction between Scots and Scottish Standard English. When I speak Scots, obviously I don't under, I don't expect people to understand, and that's why I don't tend to use it unless it's in tweets where people can sort of parse what it means or ask questions, or if it's something Scots centric. If the person listening to me has a vested interest in learning my language, if I'm speaking Scottish Standard English, however. I often do have to soften my accent and um, make it more Anglo-centric because there are things that I say in my accent that do not sound the way that English people say and it would say it. And unfortunately, so what's, an, what's an example of that where where you would speak Scots standard English and you would be concerned that the three of us wouldn't actually parse what you're saying? Just in terms of like, if I were talking at full speed and I were using a glottal stop, but incredibly quickly, or even just not putting the G on the end of gerunds and present participles. Um, someone recently came under fire, now they were English, um, and they came under fire because a lot of English accents don't use the G at the end of the present participle. It's instead of a N sound, it's a right. N. I'm having, I'm running, I'm jumping, I'm, I'm skiing. But no, nobody doesn't understand that. It's not that they don't understand it. Understand it's it in the word. They... Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. Well, then. No, it's fine. It, it's just that it, the prejudices that people ascribe to that is uneducated, lazy, um, can't speak English properly. Why did this job? They were, they were saying all these things to this woman and she genuinely took it in her stride and used it more the next time she came on the air, which I respected. But at the same time, it is exhausting because this is often put on women. Uh, I think Nicola Sturgeon, the first minister of Scotland, came under fire for she was getting passionate about something she was speaking. And obviously she has refined her accent to the point of, of near, you know, received pronunciation. I've she, heard Nicola Sturgeon speak many times. One thing that woman does not have is trouble being understood. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if you're if you're if you're having trouble understanding Nicola Sturgeon, it's because you want to. Of course, because she was putting glottal stops in because she was getting angry. And of course, you lapse into the accent that you're most comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And when she was doing that, people were saying, how is this woman the first minister of Scotland when she can't even speak properly and see that speak properly? That just there's nothing I hate more than that, because there is no proper. There is only what you think to be proper. So can I... So one of the things that, and we have to have John McWhorter back on, but one of the things that I'm sure this is not an original thought, but one of the things I've been thinking about is the reason that like the United States does not rely on accents for class signifiers is because we have the proxy of race in our, in, in the United States to kind of fill that role and it's visual. Right. And, and so it's like and so that is like actually like and that is instead kind of like what the proxy for various things. Um, and 
I was just thinking that if you have a relatively homogenous society, it is a little bit like as we've kind of been like talking about in the show about politics and partisan ishness and the and or quality of life that the better life gets like the more you find you will still find things to be upset about like even in that kind of window that it is kind of similar to like in a homogenous society you find something that you can glom onto that it like that can differentiate um and maybe that is i mean maybe that is the story of like kind of a predominantly white like dominant language like that if they, if they can't find something to hate, they'll invent something. If they can't mm-hmm. get you because you're a different race, they'll get you because you're a woman. If they can't get you because you're a woman, they'll make you in a different class. If they can't get you because of class, they'll try and pull up things that you've said they disagree with. They have to have something. Gloria Steinem had a really great thing about how like society loves to organize itself by like clear visual, like by clear distinctions, like race, gender, class, handicap. Like that's just like how they like to order things. And I think there's like a lot of truth to that. Can I just ask you, though, is it ever Americans who raise this with you or is it only uh, or, or is it or, or is this fundamentally a unionist Scots thing that that I'm sorry? Is it the accent thing you're talking about? Well, I mean, because just speaking as a sort of person with a very conventional uh, uh New York to Mid-Atlantic American educated English accent, right? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm about as close to standard written English as Americans speak. Yeah. And I listen to you and I say she sounds like a very well-educated, thoughtful uh, woman with a Scottish accent. And I don't I don't think that a lot of Americans would hear you and and have a class judgment associated with it or a proper English judgment associated with it. It seems like this is a within the context of two islands discussion. Um, and I'm wondering if there if there's ever a time when Americans say, you know, can't you speak proper English or if that's just, you know, British and Scottish people who are who are raising this. It's quite the opposite with Americans. It, it, some, it bothers me more because Americans fetishize the accent. They make it, you know, they, 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 yeah. they, my, one of my, my most popular comments is, oh, I have no idea what that girl's saying, but, but I love it. But it's so cute. Girl. Yeah, right, of course. But like, how would you like it if I come to you and, oh my God, I have absolutely no idea what you're saying, but see, when you say it, I'm just sitting here. I'm, I'm loving it. It's amazing. No, that's really <laughs> Stop doing that. Don't do that, Len. Because I, I think to oh, myself, man. would you say that to a Scot? And they do. And I go on these Scottish men and I think to myself, with Americans, I don't think they think we're real sometimes. I think they think that we exist in Outlander because the amount of comments- we we Honestly, that's we totally fair. Totally <laughs> fair. Infuriates me because I get so many comments saying, "Oh my God, I love the Irish accent. I'm f- I'm a quarter Irish. No, okay, first of all, I'm no, so I don't care. And second of all, oh, see, a quarter Irish. See that it doesn't. But I mean, some of what you're describing is just. And sorry, Genevieve, you like feel free to like pitch or whatever. But like some of what you're describing, Len, I think is like everyone does that with differences. Like that when they're very sharp. Like I, you could take someone, and I will say this. 
I will say that you could hear people say proper English for people that are speaking. And we've talked about this again, but like people that are speaking like Ebonics or like black American English, like this is like, this is a, a proper English kind of like way of thinking about things. But I, again, I would actually say that like that is a delicate thing to say and wouldn't be the type of thing that you could say very easily because it would be so quickly kind of in certain in most like kind of liberal circles seen as like a would, proxy for racism outside the twitter sphere though yeah I, I would never deem to tell someone that i didn't care what they were saying because of the way they were saying it but also it's interesting you bring up aabe because a lot of the people who are big you know, a lot of the American people who are big champions of Scots. I'm so glad I'm, I'm getting in touch with my heritage. Oh my God, this is the language of, this is my native language. You're dismissive of AVE. Really? They'll, they'll, they'll turn it around and they'll be like, oh, I appreciate this dialect language, non-standardized aspects of English, whatever you want to refer to Scots as, I really don't care at this point. But then they will they will use it to, as a stick to be AAVE with. And I come out with a video and I was like, hold on, you will not do this. You will not. Because you cannot, you know, venerate and hold up Scots as some sort of bastion of, of ethnic purity when, you know, there are Scots speakers in Scotland today who are non-white and we celebrate them equally. Scots is a learnable, teachable language and has nothing to do with ethnicity or race. Well, but Len, I mean, the 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 racial politics of, of Scottish um, uh, uh ethnicity and ancestry in the United States is pretty interesting and complicated because, you know, in in this country, um, for many for many of the of the kind of worst elements of the racist right, um, Scott's ancestry is kind of the essence of whiteness. And, it, you know, and it's a it's a um wait i thought scandinavians were the ends scandinavian too but 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 when when what's his name the former senator from virginia uh 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 sorry his name's escaping me um he, he wrote a book about um uh what about what he called cracker culture um and um Cracker culture was, in his uh, idiom, this kind of Scots-Irish, um, uh, you know, kind of rural Virginian white people, right? Um, and there's, of course, an element of truth to that. That's a, that's a, if you look at sort of non, non-Catholic white people, you know, pre-Italian immigration, non-German immigration, white people in America, you know, you're going to see a lot of people who came from Scotland, right? And, um, and so it's associated in a powerful way with, um, with kind of whiteness of the form that you associate with the Trumpist world, which is exactly the opposite of what you're thinking about. But when you say, when you say, I, I think one reason people fetishize it is not just, is, is that it's, it, it embodies some kind of image that people have of 
the sort of proto-American white woman um, in this way that people really uh, find uh, very exciting and sort of very, um, and, and I'd be interested, Jim Webb, thank you, Christopher Argerus. Um, uh, oh yeah. And, um, you know, Jim Webb is a complicated and not altogether unthoughtful individual and, and you know, but I, I think there's a, there's a, um, there's a belt that goes from the maritime provinces in Canada um, down through Appalachia in the United States that really, really identifies with what they would call Scots-Irish culture. Um, and it's old and it's, you know, at least the United States part, the Canadian part is its own cultural thing, but it's, it's not politically what you think of when you think of a very polyglot Scotland. It, it frustrates me because I have people who try and quantify their Scottishness and that is very problematic for a lot of reasons because they'll, they'll say, oh, you can only really be Scottish if you have both parents born in Scotland. They use that distinction. I wouldn't be Scottish. You can only you can only be Scottish if both your parents are Scottish. I wouldn't be Scottish. You can only be you can only be Scottish if you're white. No, like it freaks me out because it, whenever there starts to be a percentage put on identity, it 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 it's just it's a non it's a non entity because it's just complete bullshit. Like you can't you are or you are not. You can come to Scotland and be Scottish. You can have Scottish heritage. You can't sit there and say, oh, I'm more Scottish than you or this or that or the other thing, because it's like, what is an identity? If you're coming and you're engaging with the culture and you're you're making a contribution and you're you're living your best life in Scotland, phenomenal, great. But if you're using that as a way to say, oh, you can't speak on this issue because you're not white, I'm more Scottish than you. What? No. That's all. Yeah. Genevieve, what percentage American are you? <laughs> Uh, that, that changes every day. <laughs> <laughs> Genevieve's pregnant, so yeah. that's why <laughs> she's doing. Congratulations! She's doing like she's Thank doing you. like any minute now, <laughs> like literally oh, any. Yeah. I'm like so every, I'm, I'm ev yeah. everly increasing American. <laughs> yes, she's like two hundred percent American at this that's point. <laughs> Um, but no, but this is a great point because like I, this is, and this is something that's very funny when as an American, you grow up, we have this thing, at least I did when I was in public school, which is your private school, whatever the hell, it's the one that's free that you go to from the state. And, um, when I was in fifth grade, we had in, and like an immigration day, we celebrated Ellis Island and like the coming over of immigrants to America and like all of the things. And we basically had a, um, you know, go and talk with your family and come up with your family tree and like see how many generations back of immigrants you go and what percentage you are of how many different things. And like the person who like won the day, like won the thing was like the person who had like the most, like the most variety of like, of like inputs. And so I was like French Canadian and French and German and English and Czechoslovakian and like Ukraine. And I was like pretty, I was like, I think I was like came in fourth 
Like there was like just such a, there was just such a, it was just such an amalgam of, of like different kind of cultures. And like, I was, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm not even, and my family came over late. They weren't even in that like initial kind of Ellis Island. Street. So anyways, I think that that's just like, I don't know. Um, that's, I, and I also want to say that at least when I was in school, that wasn't political. Did you do something like that? Like it, there was no part of it that was political. It wasn't racial. It wasn't political. It was literally just about kind of learning about the past and where you came from and kind of American history was like that. And so that was kind of how we learned it. It also is like such an American thing that everyone's from someplace else. Unless you're an indigenous person, we are all from someplace else. And so in seeking our identity, we're always looking elsewhere instead of at home. And I always think that that's such a unique quality that we have that it kind of lends itself to problems that compound itself to what Lenny was speaking about earlier. And also like the fetishization of other cultures and different things. And we try so hard to at the same time assimilate to our local cultures. Uh, And it's just this bizarre, bizarre dichotomy to me. Apologies for the rant, but <laughs> no, no, I yeah. ranted before you. Yeah, I think it's also because you you don't maybe get as much exposure to our culture as we get to your culture, mm-hmm. and it becomes quite strange when when in my Q and A section on TikTok is full of what's your tartan? I don't have a tartan. My my dad's not Scottish. My family name isn't Scottish. We don't have a tartan. Um, you know, like what clan are you from? I'm not part of a clan. You know, like, do you eat these insult stereotypical, what's your favourite whisk? I've never drunk alcohol in my life. And they'll they'll stereotype and stereotype and stereotype. And I'm like, have you ever actually, you know, you call yourself Scottish, (laughs) but yet you're rattling off these sort of, it's it's, it's frustrating to me because culture is such a a living being. It's Mm -hmm. it's constantly changing, constantly evolving. Scottish culture now isn't the same as Scottish culture in the clearances. It's not the same as Scottish culture even 10, 20 years ago. So... The fact that people are wanting to ascribe an, an identity to themselves based on a culture that no longer exists is quite interesting to me because the pockets that exist in America of a sort of Scottish community with Scottish traditions seems to be sort of stuck in the past, which frustrates me because then I feel like we're not living up to your expectations. <laughs> you know, I, I would love to be able to say, oh, yeah. <laughs> Of course, I've got a clan, but it, it, it happened. When I was in a sort of a meeting of of Scots. Stop doing that. <laughs> I was in a meeting of Scots, and they went round the room, and they were like, "Oh, I'm the Mackenzie clan. Uh, here's my tartan. Oh, I'm the the Campbell clan. Here's my tartan. I'm the McAllister clan. Here's my tartan." And I'm like, "Hi, I'm Len. I don't actually have a tartan, but uh, I am Scottish. If that helps." Uh, mm-hmm. any questions like it, it it almost felt like I was an imposter in my own culture because I'm not embodying the sort of the sort of aspects of Scotland that people associate with it and then they're like oh you even look like a true Scot I'm like stop that that's weird that's really yeah. weird because I've got red hair blue eyes and I'm pale as oh you know pale as milk like <laughs> that doesn't make me a true Scot in the same way that you know because what is a true Scot then? Is it someone who's white? Because that's absolute bullshit and all. Like that's I don't like that. I don't I don't mess with that sort of, you know, very stereotypical, very weird fetishization of Scotland and Scottish culture that's you know two hundred years in the past. Well, mm-hmm. I just want to say I 
am not Scottish. I do have a clan. Uh, I have a tribe. Uh, I am of the, la- you know, 12 tribes of Israel. 10 of them are oh, lost. Yeah. Mine <laughs> is not lost. I am of the tribe of Levi. I don't, there's no tartan associated with it, but uh, it is preserved. I have, and no one ever asks me, you know, what is your, uh, what is your uh, tribe or clan? Nobody, I've literally never been asked. Um, so <laughs> I want to know what you attribute this to. Um, I like, Okay, so yeah, there's something. But this is straight up daughters of the American Revolution shit, Ben. Like no, we no, do but this not, too. but not. So you think the you think the U.S. fascination with what your tartan is and what what clan you're like is is just a is just a creature of like uh, U.S. sort of fetishism of. Um, uh, like home country stuff yeah or is there something else going on there because because i don't like all right genevieve you're i'm gonna make all this shit up because uh your family's presumably sicilian right <laughs> no no <laughs> no <Okay. laughs> i love that don't presume shit no i don't yeah. you know look Italian Americans are mostly from Sicily. Um, Is that true? I literally didn't know that. I I have no idea. We can can presume for this argument's sake. No, no, no. no. Let's let's not presume. Let's correct. Where's your family? Where's your um, family from? My my dad's family is from a very very small little mountain town, um, like two hours inland from Naples in the mountains. And okay, it, so so middle middle southern middle boot. Okay, um, uh, how often do you get asked by random people for uh, for uh, identifying? you know, middle boot Italy stuff from, uh, let alone from 200 years ago. Not that often. No one ever asks me about my last name or like, I mean, occasionally they do. Like I get, I get asked never. a lot if I have do relatives you? in the mafia. That I get asked oh, a lot. Well, yeah. that's There's the Sicilian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, every, I, I, that happens. Why did like, you leave that out? Oh, I don't know. Because at this point, I just like look at them and I go, "Yeah, no, that's not. That's definitely not the side of my family that had some rule breakers." <laughs> okay, so I guess my question, like, we have lots of sort of old country fetishism in the United States, but no one's like walking up to uh, GDF and saying, uh, "Dude, I need your advice about what olive oil to buy." Yeah, and uh, you know. Uh, and I, I do think there's something and now some of it's that you're you're actively engaged in a public forum in in Scott's culture stuff. So maybe if Genevieve were doing that, people would be asking her for olive oil recommendations. I certainly would. But I do think there's something about there's something about the relationship between like people's sense of scottish heritage and contemporary scotland and the diversion between diversion between the two that one 
that they have relatively little to do with one another that causes this, um, uh, uh, you know, this set of assumptions about you so little to do with reality. It's, it's interesting because the, the whole, even the tartan thing, tartan in the, in the ancient Scottish times wasn't even a thing. It, it was, it was a regional thing. It wasn't a family thing. You don't have a family tartan. That's a fairly modern invention. And it's this sort of commodification. We don't help ourselves. It's the commodification. It's what we can sell to the tourists. Tartan has been, has been gentrified to the point where your average Scottish person can't even afford tartan. If I want, if I had a clan tartan and I wanted to wear a tartan scarf, it'd be 30, 40, 50 quid for it. I'm not going to spend that. Whereas your American tourist who comes and wants to reconnect with their roots because, oh my God, I'm 15% Scottish. They're going to buy it. And we know that. So tartan shops, they're not for us. We don't, we don't buy tartan. I've got, you know, plaid shirts. I've got tartan scarves, but they are just your generic off the mill H&M fast fashion type tartan. They're not your hand woven, you know, 100% wool cashmere tartan scarves. They're, I can't afford that. I'm not going to buy that. And, and there's such a, a discrepancy between what people think Scotland is and what it actually is because they see us as these magical fairy people from Outlander with the rugged, handsome Highlander who's going to sweep them off their feet and rip their bodice or the sort of, you know, I'll, I'll get people in the comments being like, oh my God, I'm like a fiery Scot. I get in arguments with people all the time and it's because I'm Scot. <laughs> no, Sandra, you're just a bitch. Don't... <laughs> Don't blame us. We did. We actually didn't do that. Like that's no. It's not in your blood. I love that one. Read a temperament into somebody. Like it really annoys me because yeah. I'm like, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't come at someone and and fetishize and generalize about them because we're not all fiery people. We're not. Okay. These, like, so, so if the core people. elements of the culture are not red hair, blue eyes, fair skin, tartan clans. And, uh, bodice ripping gentlemen. Bodice ripping gentlemen who if fight. Aware, I would have one who, by now. Who <laughs> fight British people? Um, uh, from your, like, if you were going to explain what the essential elements of contemporary Scottish culture are to people outside, what's what is it that that defines? you guys culturally i think that's the good thing about scotland not to the same extent as america but in scotland we are just we will accept anyone like there's a good infographic going around that says do you want to be scottish i you're in no <laughs> Check again you do like it's, <laughs> it's just it's a sense of humor as much as anything else it's just a self-deprecating we know we're shit and we will we will share in that, and we will. I mean, I'm not saying we're shit. I'm saying that we will self-deprecate the. Look at Scottish comedians that become popular, like Frankie Ball, Kevin Bridges, Daniel Sloss, all these amazing comedians who the majority of the routine will not be about other people. It'll be about Scottish people because Scottish people love to make fun of themselves, and and it's just it's a we're not a nation of people who can be defined by any one characteristic, any one you know race, any one ethnicity. We're a group of people who are just trying to get through the days and we're all so crab it. We're just doing as in. We're just like, you know, we're grumpy. So we're just. I think that there's, well, first of all, I just want to say that, like, I think that 
I think that there is something really true about what I was saying before about like the daughters of the American Revolution kind of aspect of kind of this, which is that there is <clears throat> that any culture is going. So I don't know if you know what daughters of the American Revolution is. It is a group in which that the United States has that like you have to basically prove that like your like your lineage stems from the pilgrims. Like literally specifically, like what? from the Mayflower. And like the line, I guess, that like is the most like kind of genetically pure kind of claim you can make in the United States is like my 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 ancestors came over on the Mayflower. That is like that is like your claim to like to originalist is immigrants. <laughs> right. Originalist is immigrants. Uh that like mostly die from diphtheria or like whatever. Whoa. And they don't like people like Genevieve anymore. No. Or me. Who cares? Who no. cares? Well, you're, 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 you're a No one, a, everyone a loves me and everyone hates me. <laughs> you, you've got, you've got some old stock. Uh, I'm, I'm pure 19th century, Jew. late 19th century, early 20th century, European Jew mud. And, um, you know, we came in, we polluted. I think that's a pretty pure. We polluted the gene pool. <laughs> the, the, the United States was all white and black before people like Genevieve and me started showing up. And then we fucked it up. See, Len, now you're starting to see some of like the layers in our weirdness. <laughs> oh and like what? when we like react to your like being like, we can't even imagine someone thinking that you're not intelligent when you speak the way that you speak. We're like, you I'm know, like, I'm okay. Is I'm okay with this because at least we're at least we don't have this. Like these are only dogs. Who cares about your pedigree? Exactly. This is, like, <laughs> this is such a weird sentiment to me because I could not tell you where beyond two or three generations back, I couldn't tell you where my family are from. Like, and I'm not just saying they're just from Scotland, so that's the point. I have absolutely no idea where my family's very like, because I, I just don't care. Like, it's I, who I am is important to me, not who made me beyond, you know. I mean, like, more. that's like, of course, like the rational thing. Okay, I, I have an important <laughs> correction to make. Thank you. T thanks to Matteo, who has been doing some uh, uh, digging. Matteo uh, says he's been looking into it and about 29% of Italian immigrants from 1860 to 1960 were Sicilian. Slight <laughs> plurality, but not a majority. Uh, I want yeah, to, I didn't uh, think that most of them were. No, no, no. I, I feel much I just, better. I, 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 I had the sense that the uh, majority weight was Sicilian. Turns out it's the slight plurality weight. Just want to acknowledge error. I also want to acknowledge that as I have on the show before, that I never learned until I was in college and it was taught to me by other people that like last names are descriptive of where you're from and your your like your like background. Like I didn't know Mick was like, wait, I don't even I still don't know if it's Irish or it's Scottish or if it's English. Like I don't know. I think oh, I don't know, one of them. Anyways, but like I only learned the like the Goldman or like the what was it? Someone said a heavy metal and then the name of like a, like, a, like a person like is is Jewish. I was like, really? Like no one ever. I never learned these things. So, um, Len, can you tell me what how what Mick is? Is Mick? Uh, Mike, you know, and, and Gallic, I think. 
I'm not entirely sure. Always I, definitely. I, I think MC is Irish and MAC is Scottish, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, but um, but in in U.S. slur terms, a Mick is 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 an Irish person, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's I, yeah. I I didn't know I about all these it... slurs until there was someone on TikTok telling a guy oh. um, who was Irish that his name was a slur, and he was like, "But my name's Paddy. That's my name." <laughs> And people are in his comments like, I can't, I can't believe you're using a racial slur in your username. And he's like, my mum called me Paddy. Because <laughs> of course you say Patty, like St. Patty's Day. Which is good. Sorry, that's really good. Okay, I keep trying to bring Timothy in because he has a new cat and he really wants to show it to us. But Timothy can't come on. So we're, uh, Timothy wants- Richard Wattenbarger cat. Yes, he is. But Timothy wants me to express- uh, to you, Len, that as a true Scot, he'd like to offer your thanks for being so welcoming to all immigrants of Scotland. Um, and Richard Wattenbarger, you have an excellent question, sir. Please take the floor. Yeah, well, a little background. My, uh, something that just kind of came to my attention again recently. My my wife and I have been watching a lot of British crime series. And so... Um, Vera. And, you know, hmm? Vera. Vera. I, I haven't. We've not watched Vera yet. Oh. I think actually my wife might have started on it, but we uh, uh, actually we were watching Line of Duty because like all oh, my, I love Line of Duty. Yeah, oh. uh, well, all, all my UK friends were going on Very Facebook good. and saying, "Oh, it's wonderful, wonderful." And then finally, we I said, "Well, we have to watch this." But um, but one of the things I, you know, we always watch or we usually watch with the subtitles. So we, we watch Line of Duty. We're actually watching um, DCI Banks right now. But um, and one of the things I realized is that there are there are parts where I, I kind of surprised myself that I don't think I would understand without the subtitles, uh, which I thought, you know, I thought that I could understand, you know, various uh, British dialects better than I could. I'm, I'm, so I'm Pretty good indication that we're not talking about a single language, but a rather a language continuum. That's that, that's right. I, um, you know, I, I also remember, and this is something Shailesh could probably talk about. I remember uh, years ago I was working with a team of developers that were in India, and I had I had all sorts of trouble understanding them because all of my Indian friends who were in the U.S., you know, I had no problem or anything. So I, I'm just curious um, uh, about uh, if there are any accents that you really struggle, that you really find uh, difficult to um, uh, to understand, and why do you think that is? Ooh, um, not American ones, no, because mm -hmm. as I say, from from right from the get go, from when we're very very young, if you want to watch something nine times out of ten it's going to be american all the classic shows that you would watch on netflix amazon prime anything like that they're all going to be american and that just sort of helps because you're 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 getting it but um i no i wouldn't say because me perhaps because i'm so used to understanding you know accents through the different languages that i speak um i, I don't find english difficult when it's written or when it's spoken you know, people can sometimes use their own dialect of English, especially, you know, if you're reading a, a book written in by an American, you'll note that there are changes in different turns of phrase and, and idioms that we don't have. But that's that's not something that I've ever really struggled with. I think perhaps because you don't have the exposure of our kind of accents. And when you do, when there's a character 
on television that's supposed to be Scottish, Irish, anything like that. They don't hire a Scottish person. They'll just give Chad a wee dialect coach for 15 minutes and send him on his way. It's kind of like... I like, watch them I'll be like, oh, this character's name is... Um, is John O'Callaghan and he's he's supposed to be straight off the boat from Ireland and it's some I'm sitting there like where where in Ireland have they found this man because he's not it's it frustrates me though because it means that we're not hiring people who have genuine accents and and you know by definition you aren't going to understand us when we actually speak the way we do but I actually think uh American mass media does not depict well at all the intensity of certain american accents so yeah i was in the big on the big island of hawaii uh, a few years ago and there was a uh, uh it's kind of a a local dialect uh it has has a fair bit of japanese in it just because of the number of japanese who've lived on the big island for a long time and um and it's got some some native Hawaiian influence. I could not understand it, um, you know, and I was completely fascinated. And of course, people don't speak it around you because they want to be understood. And so you, um, um, but I was, I'm always amazed when you, when you travel, I mean, this country is very big and just how different the language is, you know, um, when you when you're in rural South Dakota, which I was a few weeks ago, um, white people sound really different from Lakota people, you know, and the Lakota English and almost all Lakota now are native English speaking. Um, I think there's only 2000, 3000 <clears throat> Lakota speaking people in the country now. Um, but they don't sound anything like, you know, the uh, people in the rural white people who live several miles away. It's a completely different accent. And I suspect it has a, a, a very, uh, it, I, I, I suspect it has a, you know, quite different uh, collection of vocabulary as well. And I, I just think there's a, there's a, there's a homogenization of the way people sound in in mass media culture because everybody has to be able to understand everything and mm. um and it actually evens out an enormous amount of variability in what act what moderately standardized english actually sounds like if you drive 50 miles from here and if you drive 50 miles from there and if you drive 50 miles from there and if you talk to people who are different colors from one another you know the variability of english in the united states is astonishingly vast there are there are some like scottish accents that i struggle to understand and some dialects of scots that i struggle to even read so I'd say that I, I understand where you're coming from, but also it, it's sad when, you know, I'll, in my work, I do speak to a lot of Scots speakers and we'll be sitting chatting in our different various dialects, sort of try to parse what's going on. And then somebody else will come in that doesn't speak Scots or, you know, we'll be talking online and then someone will enter the conversation doesn't speak Scots and it just goes, it's just gone. Especially if they're, if they're under 30, 
there just goes it's the confidence just goes you think to yourself it's not worth the hassle it's not worth the the you know the, the ignorance and the comments I'm just going to speak English I'm just going to iron out my accent and then as I say things that are hallmarks of really nice regional accents get lost and, and you just sit there and think well okay we're all for Glasgow now or okay we're all just sitting there you know speaking the way that they want us to speak and it's it's a self-imposed prejudice that's just annoys me so I try and do the opposite and just hammer up <laughs> it's appreciated I think that it's great Christopher the floor is yours Hi, Len. Uh, I don't have I don't have any flower of Scotland for you tonight, but um, we'll, we'll keep that from the, from the last show. Um, so I saw the BBC documentary uh, on Sir Walter Scott that you were in, um, and I was curious about the um, the this 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 dynamic that was explored later in the in the documentary about uh, Scott versus Burns as the essential iconic. Scott literary figure, do you distinguish the two on unionist versus nationalist grounds as the BBC implies that the fallout uh, with, with, with Scott, they, the, the BBC documentary seems to imply that, that Scott is not as popular in Scotland today because he's associated with unionist Tory views versus maybe Burns is more of a beloved nationalist figure. So how do you see the sort of division between the two and the, the legacy of, Burnt, of, uh, of Scott today? I think that's a really interesting question because Burns is the people's poet. You know, he is, he's the salt of the earth farming man who became a tax man. And, you know, he's, he's very sort of revered. And it's interesting because he wasn't sort of like the sort of bastion of moral purity. And I think we can relate to that a bit more because it's like, you know, he was a womanizer. He was a very, you know, shady figure. If he were alive today, I don't think people would would exalt him and venerate him as much. But also short form content versus long form content. Poems are easier to spread, to share. They're more widely read, you know, they're just easier. And also Scots use, Burns use a lot of Scots, which is nice. From my own work, I, I have come across so much Burns. I did Burns poetry from when I was eight, competed all the way up until I was 18. You know, it, it's a it's a real cultural bastion of, of what competed? we are. Competed? What do you mean by competed? Yeah. So there's like Burns competitions where you'll learn Burns poetry and stand up and the best recitation will win a little prize. And uh, it feels great when you win, but it feels so Wow. <laughs> yeah. What a cool idea. I love that. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. And it is one we of don't the do only... that here. We don't we, yeah, don't, we don't, don't do a, that. A national poet that we compete to uh Jesus at... Christ. I, I mean like Robert Frost is like the poet that my dad had me memorize constantly. Do you know Robert Frost? I don't know if you know him. I have not come across yeah. you know, we got your 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 uh uh there there are sort of iconic American poets, but there aren't there isn't a national poet in the same yeah. way as as Scotland has. Well, we've we've always got we've got a macker in residence, the Scots Poet Laureate. We we've just got a new one actually. Um, we have a it's poetry in Scottish culture is is massive, and that's sort of a wave that I'm trying to ride at the minute. But it's a. Uh, it's interesting how, as I say, as I said before, like this sort of self-deprecating sense of humour. Scott's work, uh, Burns's work is just so funny, whereas Sir Walter <laughs> Scott's is just not funny. And if something's funny, you're going to read it. <laughs> if it's not funny, you're not going to read it. So the thing is, I haven't come across much 
and and I got actually slated a lot. People said that I hadn't read Scott, so I was on a documentary about Sir Walter Scott. I was not asked to come on that documentary in the capacity of someone who was an expert on Scott. I was asked to come act, you know, in the capacity of someone who is an expert on Scots, the language. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, you know, I, and I think it's interesting that people just wanted a stick to beat me with. And I was like, you know what, if you want to, if you want to say that, but I, I was asked on to talk about the impact that Scott had on Scots, which is the fact that in his novels, there is evidence of the Scots language, but it's framed very much in the narrative will be in English. It will be eloquent. It will be phenomenal. You will, you will hear all those big loquacious words, but the characters themselves will speak Scots. So it's always been here. Let me translate the peasant folk. Let me translate the aristocrats. Let me translate for you, the people who speak Scots, whereas Burns is... And, and, and the flip side of that is that there are these, I, you know, intensely important figures which it's not that we deny that they're Scottish, you know, the whole Scots Enlightenment, uh -huh. you know, the Benthams and the and the Adam Smiths, right? And I mean, but we don't think of them as part of Scottish culture. We think of them as a in the same way that, you know, um, you, you know, a uh, a Descartes is super mm -hmm. French, right? Yeah. But but people don't don't think of uh, that. There's something about, particularly in the philosophical <clears throat> world, where we've just kind of denationalized a whole, you know, a, a whole. It's like if we pretended that the Harlem Renaissance, we just called it the Renaissance, right? Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't yeah. black. That's it, um, and. You know, I don't know how they would have identified themselves, um, but it does seem like there's something um, there's something pretty striking about the erasure. I don't know. That's it. When 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 Andy Murray Andy Murray came out, and I think it was him that said it, or someone said it about him. When he loses, it's Scottish tennis player Andy Murray, and when he wins, it's. British Sir Andy Murray, you know, it's like, <laughs> they, they can never let, they can, people can never let us have, you know, someone referred to me as British poet the other day and I was like, <sighs> really? <laughs> really? You're going to come out and say it? <laughs> have you read some of my work? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not political in my work. I, I try, I try very hard to keep my politics out of my work because I don't want it to be an exclusive thing. I want it to be incredibly inclusive. I want it to be pretty you know ubiquitous everyone can can enjoy and experience it but at the same time my identity the way that I portray myself and the way that my work is you know written performed and shared is through the context of a Scottish identity that is who I am that's who I always will be and that's who I was born and will die as you know and it's done beautifully. I mean, especially the poem that you shared with us. Um, I'm not going to have children. I'm going to have Wayne's. I, I may have butchered the title, but that Love is it. just such the perfect example of that. And so you do, you do keep the politics out, but you're very authentic and true to yourself. And yeah, it's wonderful. We're huge fans of you, Len. And also that poem. I apologize. <laughs> I meant, of course, Hume, not Bentham. Um, uh, we're going to leave it there. Uh, Len, I never know quite what to say because I, I, we always end by saying you're a great American, which is, of course, not what we can say to you. Uh, you you're a great Scot. You're a great American. You're a great American. American. Accenter. 
Thank you so much. <laughs> um, come back soon. We are going to leave it there. We will be back on Monday. I have no idea who our guest is going to be. Um, uh, but it'll be, you know, a bunch of hours and 59 minutes from now. And until then, and maybe Genevieve will have a baby by then. And until then. Uh, wait, who are you asking? I was asking Genevieve, but oh, you can answer. Oh. <laughs> we don't have fun anymore. Um, but we do have Scots and poetry and all the things that make life sweet. Yeah. Bye guys. See you tomorrow. Cheerio.